I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, May 10th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, prepare for a loud, interrupting beep this afternoon, because Canada's emergency alerting system is running a test of its program today across radio, TV, and wireless devices. The test isn't happening in Alberta or Quebec, so enjoy your peace and quiet for those two provinces. But if you're in any of the other provinces, they're going to happen at some point during the day. In Ontario, this is going to happen happen at 12.55. Are you ready for a wake-up call, an afternoon wake-up call? <laughs> that presupposes that I sleep during the lunch hour, so good on you for spying on me, Brett. I guess I am ready. I do find them very disruptive, obviously, but I'm okay with the emergencies. I'm also okay with the Amber Alerts that come through because it is important, and so it is shocking. People will complain about anything. They will complain about this. Yeah, I found them more shocking when they first became a thing. Like I feel like they've only been around for 10 years or so, and when they first started rolling them out, when this would happen, it was very jarring, and people would get shocked by it. But I feel like now we've been conditioned to know that when this happens, you just look at your phone, you see there's an emergency of some kind, and it's all very clear. I will say there was one time, I don't remember the details, I don't want to get this wrong, but there was one time that they messed up and they said that there was a nuclear accident or something like that in the GTA. And that was very shocking. But otherwise, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, let's hope this one doesn't say that even as a test. Let's just say this is a test. This is only a test. This is not a real emergency. Brett, aside from a buzz on our phones this afternoon, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For first story, new currency competition for our second story shellfish battle and for our last story there is a debt ceiling move happening i hope so for our first story developing countries are teaming up to take on the global monetary order as we know it but it sounds pretty exciting what's going on so the BRICS, a five-country partnership between brazil russia india china and south africa is reportedly pushing ahead with plans to expand membership and take the dominance of the u.s dollar down a few notches this is per the globe and mail of the 20 countries that have expressed interest in joining BRICS, 13 have formally applied, including Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Algeria, Mexico, Argentina, Nigeria, and Iran. BRICS have been around for over two decades, bringing together the world's biggest emerging economies as the West, its institutions, and currencies reigned supreme. It matters because BRICS could be a vehicle for breaking the dominance of the U.S. dollar in global trade, a long-standing Chinese goal that Russia has also warmed up to as a way to bypass Western sanctions linked to the war in Ukraine. Brazil strongly backs the idea, too. BRICS countries are already leaning into their local currencies. Last month, Brazil and China made it easier to settle their foreign trade operations in yuan or reals. Yes, but unlike the G7, though BRICS are less aligned in terms of political and economic goals, with India and China clashing over a border dispute as recently as 2020, plus China's economy also dominates the bloc accounting. Ready for this, Brett? 75% of the BRICS total GDP. Yeah, that's why it's one thing to speculate about alternative currencies, but when push comes to shove, emerging economies may be less keen on trading U.S. influence for China. Now to zoom out. Ooh. The U.S. dollar is the currency of choice for global trade because of its relative stability. But developing countries are starting to chafe at the influence of American monetary policy on their own economies. For our second story, a pricing dispute in Canada's crustacean heartland has crabby fishers calling out seafood processors for their shellfishness. Jay, do you get it? I do. I tried to actually brainstorm more fish puns, but I'm floundering a bit, Brett. That was a good one, too. Thank you. Thank you. Newfoundland, snow crab fishers represented by the Fish, Food, and Allied Workers Union, the FFAW, have been on dry land for over a month, refusing to fish after the province's price-setting board set the price of harvested snow crab at $2.20 a pound. In Newfoundland, snow crab is assigned a set price that fishers can sell to processors for, just like how other boards set the farm gate prices for eggs and milk. 
The per pound price of snow crab opened last spring at $7.60, roughly 245 times higher than it is today. On the whole, the current price is 60% lower than last year's average. And PPLs, that's 245% higher than it is today. And the FFAW believes fishers won't break even if they hit the waters at these prices, especially as operating costs rise. And previously asked the panel to set the per pound price at $3.10. Yes, but snow crab demand surged early in the pandemic as people stuck inside with lots of disposable income turned to fancy seafood to brighten their mood. But demand has since collapsed as inflationary pressures created more frugal eating habits, including in our household. The Association of seafood producers believes the price drop is necessary to offset the losses processors face. In the U.S., about 10 million pounds of Canadian crab caught last year remains unsold, while another big buyer, Japan, is increasingly sourcing cheaper crab from Russia. And here's why it all matters. This little crustacean has a big economic impact. The fishery industry employs over 16,000 people in Newfoundland, and snow crab is its most valuable product, accounting for 61% of total annual fishery value and 2.3% of the province's GDP all by itself. For our third and final story, it's once again time to check in on the U.S. debt ceiling debacle. Here's a spoiler alert, Brett. Joe Biden and the GOP lawmakers are no closer to reaching a resolution on raising the debt ceiling after the president met with congressional leaders yesterday. Those congressional leaders are really holding the debt ceiling hostage. To catch you up, the U.S. hit its debt ceiling, the maximum amount of debt it's allowed to take on in January. Since then, the Treasury has been kind of MacGyvering ways to keep on servicing debt, but has warned repeatedly that come June, the U.S. runs the risk of an unprecedented default. That will not be good. The White House wants to avoid this and the ensuing economic crisis that would come with it. Unfortunately for them, Congress has the power to set the debt limit, and the majority Republican House is demanding drastic spending cuts in exchange for raising the debt ceiling. Speaker of the House Republican Kevin McCarthy has already rejected one proposed solution to raise the debt ceiling through September to allow for more discussions. And here's why it matters. A default would lead to withheld pension payments, job loss, and, per Goldman Sachs, get ready for this, a 10% drop in economic activity in the U.S. But why should we care? Well, hate to break it to you, everybody in Canada, but a default would be bad news for the entire global financial system. Bad news, indeed. The belief that U.S. Treasury debt is risk-free is a core tenant that undergirds the global financial system. If this was suddenly proven false, investors would lose confidence and sell off U.S. bonds en masse, causing widespread market panic and weakening the world's currency, aka the U.S. dollar. Well, the BRIC countries want to change that anyway. Anyway, next. Well, there's a lot more squabbling. That's what's going to happen next. But since the U.S. has never purposely defaulted, hope remains that cooler heads will prevail, even if bipartisanship does not. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second one out, follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a good day, Peak Pals. I'm not going to say their name lest I curse them, but let's go team. <laughs>